0: Breeders' Cup may be in the rearview mirror, but our work with Naira continues going to be working with them for pretty much the entirety of the rest of 2023 still featuring Saturday racing coverage each week on the players podcast. JK and I had a few good ideas for you last weekend and we've got Nick every racing day doing analysis over in the money You can find us on the Naira site under their picks, plays and promotions tab. And we've got a full schedule of where you can find JK and the team, JK who's hosting this weekend uh, and the team on television through the America's Day at the Races coverage in the slash tv Hello and welcome to the In the Money Players podcast. This is our show for Monday. November thirteenth, I'm your host Peter Thomas Fornital, coming to you from the Brooklyn Bunker once again and uh, joined by a man who's been uh, running around the world similar to me. I think he is ensconced in Saratoga Springs, New York for a while. He's Jonathan Kinchin JK did I get your location right?
1: You got it right for next few hours so, <laughs> uh, I'm in i'm in uh, I'm in Saratoga now, heading to Chicago here in a few hours. Um, I'm as, as many, I'm, I'm sure that follow on social have found out that I'm like an adopted Duke fan now because, yep. uh, uh, Jovine and her family are huge Duke fans. Like, I mean, like cry when they lose Duke fans, call during every TV timeout when not watching the game together, screaming about the refs, the opponents, <laughs> uh, how much they hate or despise a kid from maybe the other team who maybe hit a shot and, and did some sort of a celebration. I mean, they are Duke fans. And so, what, um, they they fell in love with Coach K like the par- her parents did back in the day so she was just kind of raised in it and and so um, but whatever I, I it's, it's a fun program I, I they they play big games they they play on TV it's fun to watch them um, and uh, and so we're going to Chicago to watch they play uh, they play Michigan State Tuesday night and then Kentucky and Kansas also play at the same same stadium so we're gonna go to that awesome Now I'm gonna go to Austin I'm gonna pick up the human Austin come back to Saratoga we'll do Thanksgiving here. A uh, little stop in the city. I think we're going to watch Texas plays basketball at Madison Square Garden. So I think we're going to try to hit that on the way back north. Awesome. And then, uh, yeah, and then I host, I host the show. A lot of people are off, so I host uh, America's Day at the Races uh, for the first part of the show on Black Friday. Fun. So yeah, it's stressful. a lot of cooking. It's stressful you, but fun.
0: Will you do that from? So you'll do that from Aqueduct.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'll go down and do it. I'll be, I'll, I'll do my best impersonation of Lafitte and, uh, and Incredible, <laughs> which, which is a very, very hard job to do.
0: Oh, so hard. Hosting is so hard. It's so um, much different
1: than me just sitting there and like saying something stupid or taking a horse opposite of Andy just to make sure that I can put him in a locker. It's the, easy, it's that's easy. This is not. This is much harder.
0: You've already hinted at the question I was going to ask during your, your, uh, your, your, your monologue there, which is have you had in the course of your relationship with G yet a situation where Texas plays Duke? That has not happened yet. Um, <laughs> and what is now, going to happen when it does it
1: happened. It happened back in the day when, when, you know, we were really good. They had JJ Reddick, and he went off for like 40 and, and beat Texas. Um, We've talked about it before. I think that what we would do is likely we would either not watch it together, or we made a rule. I think that all celebrations have to be celebrating your team's successes and not the other team's failure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, trust me, I couldn't. Wa- I don't think I'd be able to watch it with her parents. That would be pretty tough. <laughs> um, That's
0: too funny. Well,
1: yeah. So I mean, I've been on opposite ends of wagers with her father. And, and, and her mom can, she, you know, she, she'll, she'll kind of rub it in your face a little bit. So you gotta be careful. You gotta be careful. <laughs> I can only imagine <laughs> if it was a Duke game.
0: Oh my goodness. Well, we'll see what uh we'll, 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 we'll follow that along. I don't know. I, I don't follow it enough to know if there's a looming confrontation in the, uh, no, it would, meetings. it would only be
1: like in the, it would only be in the, in the, in March Madness, like in the tournament. Yeah. In the
0: tourney. Do they, is there a chance? Are they, are they good enough Are both teams good enough to be on a collision course there?
1: Oh yeah, I mean I think that both teams are probably projected to be four seeds or higher, you know, gotcha. based okay. on their kind of preseason rankings. They're both really good. So um, you know, Duke lost to Arizona the other night, but Arizona's a top fifteen team, so it's um but uh, yeah, no. No, it could it could happen. It's it's but you know, it's it's the tournament. they, they can be on opposite sides of the bracket and it could never even be in a conversation unless they both, right. you know, meet in the final four or something.
0: <laughs> a story to follow here on uh, on in the money media. And speaking
1: of sport, Pete, I didn't even told you this, but uh, yeah. I, I had a I had a conversation with Lafitte um, yesterday, and and also Terrence thiji who Terrence is, you know Terrence, but for no, those Terrence of the, very well,
0: yeah. Terrence, is, Terrence is,
1: uh, is one is one is the is basically the head producer for the Fox shows. He, he he does and in our you know FS1 shows, our Fox shows. He's like you know it's a big show, Terrence is probably producing it. We've decided. That we want to do, a, we're going to do a sports podcast. And the first one we're going to record is going to be on on November 21st. It's going to be me, Lafitte, Terrence, and, and Joe Vanina is going to be there just to make fun of me and to keep me in my place. I love it. And uh, we're going to we're gonna just start, it's, you know, Lafitte obviously has got a huge, you know, loves fantasy football, loves b- baseball, other sports. We'll do a little basketball. We'll do a little everything. Just, you know, a little fun, little sports project Uh, uh podcast will pop up on the network. It should be. It should be at least entertaining.
0: Oh, I think it'll be great. I mean, it's, I I think it's time, you know, it's, it's, we, we've uh, dipped our toe in these waters before, but I love the idea of getting you, uh, getting you more involved as far as, as far as that goes. I've really been enjoying the football. I don't want to tangent too much at the beginning of the show. We should talk about racing at some point, but if we have time at the end, maybe we'll, we'll talk a little NFL because I've been following it more than, uh, than in several years. And it's, it's, it's been really fun. And I've had a little bit of little modicum of, of success, especially in uh, Marshall's little uh, survivor pool where there was absolute carnage this weekend with the uh, <laughs> with, with some of the upsets. But we'll get back to that. Our, our stated purpose for the show today is to do our two early look at the Eclipse Awards. Once we get all the ballots and all that, I think we'll do our traditional show. And, J.K., you're obviously more than welcome to come back for that. But the last couple of years, we've done an Eclipse show uh with jay privman which has been fun because we've done it we've done it where it's before people send in their ballots so at least we can pretend that we're you know maybe influencing the vote knowing we do have a lot of uh, voters who who check things out over here on the network but i just thought we could take a broader picture it was actually your idea but i think your idea was to take like a bit of a broader snapshot about the divisions and look at the ones that are going to be slam dunks look at the ones that, that are going to be interesting does that sound about right
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's always kind of fun to talk about the um, the award with the statue of the horse with the short tail, because, you know, (laughs)
0: I'm looking uh... at I'm looking at mine now. Yeah, the tail is kind of short, actually. We got to we got to uh, we got to get a couple more of these things back here. I've I've decided we got to work on that. The the submissions are good. (laughs) Good
1: good luck. Good luck with that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Certainly not going to get one for a horse that I own, but maybe who knows? Maybe on the media, maybe on the media. Oh uh, yeah, yeah.
1: Well, and about wait, what's, what's today? What's where November, 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 December, December, January, February, March. You got about four months to try to secure it. Cause uh, you'll probably be on the no fly list after that. <laughs> That's pretty funny. I think I know <laughs> what you're saying there. Um,
0: so Let's talk about this. How do you want to do it? Which division do you want to just sort of go through and 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 take it as it comes? You yeah, know, I mean, your... I
1: sent you that. I sent you that article. I thought was a kind of a good base. Uh, yeah, and article. we'll plug that too. We'll plug that. Our friends at uh,
0: the we affectionately now refer to the place with the letters uh, DRF. David Grinning did sort of an overview that we can use as a as a jumping off point. And that's definitely an article worth uh, worth reading. Nobody does a better job than than Dave in terms of taking. A snapshot of these things than presenting them for the audience. The first one in the article that Dave wrote, two-year-old male, and, and this is a slam dunk, right? I mean, uh, fierceness won this one on the racetrack the other week, didn't he? Yeah,
1: and you know what's funny? As I was thinking about it, like it I feels like whoever wins that the, the juvenile, it's like the there's not enough weight in the in the other grade ones that that you if you don't win like three grade ones prior, then you're never going to really overtake the horse that wins. The juvenile, right? I mean, if you look at the
0: last one, was Pharaoh the last one to win the eclipse without winning at the Breeders' Cup?
1: Uh, yeah, I would. Well, let's see. Uh, good magic classic game winner was was Storm the Court. Storm the Court wasn't didn't win, um, in 2019. I don't feel like Storm, maybe Storm the Court did win to the oh, you know, he did. That's what I'm saying. Yes, you're right. I think Pharaoh's the last one, and so that's what you need. You need to probably have an excuse why you
0: didn't make the race or or you know he yeah. was multiple grade ones he was giant figures he he was all kinds of hype
1: yeah you'd, you'd um, have to win you'd, you'd have to think that you would have to win the you know the the end of the meet grade one at saratoga del mar so the futurity or the um hopeful and then you would have to go on to win either the champagne or the front runner and, and you'd have to win both of those i think to be able to overcome the horse that won won um, the, the juvenile.
0: Yeah. And I mean, Prince of Monaco essentially did that this year or did that this year. Right. But, but it's just not obviously, you know, having that meeting on the track and having fierceness win so authoritatively it, um, it, it just, it just feels like an absolute slam yeah. dunk. How good do you think fierceness is going to be going forward? I mean, is I this a, is this
1: right, your, no, your right heavy derby favorite
0: yeah. right now? What do you think?
1: Yeah. I mean, well, I, I don't have it in front of me, but I think the horse ran like a one Oh something buyer one Oh yeah, 105. I, I, I want to say 107, but it could be 105. It doesn't matter. It's not 101 and it's not 102. So yeah. it the horse was running. And we said before leading up to that race that the winner of this race was on to Superstardom because the race was so full of really good horses. And I, I think that we saw that. And and I, I think, yeah, I think fierceness is in the right hands as well. So they'll they'll do what's necessary to get him uh get him geared up for that first Saturday in May.
0: Yeah, he's a definitive favorite. I found some Derby betting. Interestingly, the sharp book twelve to one, whereas he's as short as six to one in other places. So that's just sort of, sort of interesting. I mean, first blush, I mean, with that kind of figure, tell you what, twelve to one doesn't sound horrible.
1: I'd rather back it than lay it. No, yeah, I mean, look, it's it's it, it, you know, he's if he progresses and he wins his other races, he'll be the favorite, and and you know, based on running that number as a two-year-old and the way that he ran on debut, too. It's not like that number came out of nowhere. We knew he was pretty damn special, as long as he can avoid sloppy racetracks.
0: Let's talk about two-year-old female. I mean, I don't think there's much to discuss here either. Just FYI um, was so impressive in the the Breeders' Cup and and had a resume before that. I mean, you know, nobody's a bigger Tamara fan than me, but I, I don't see how you can put her ahead of Just FYI
1: at this point, can you? No, no, no. You get, Like you said, you know, just if 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 you win the juvenile race and you win another grade one, it's a wrap. Yeah, yeah. it's a wrap. And she won. You know, you win a race like the Frisette and you win the, the juvenile Phillies. It's a wrap. Easy. Probably. Um I don't say it's the most lopsided, the most lopsided are probably well, I don't even think female sprinter. We'll we'll keep going on that one, but it's 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 going to be pretty easy I think to make just FYI the champion.
0: Slam dunk, slam dunk there. What do we think of Tamara going forward? You know there was the story the Mike Smith quote about hearing a hearing a sound, you know, suggesting a breathing issue. Seems like something that could be um, you know, if it was just that, I'd say be, be pretty confident about their ability to to solve it and and go forward with her and her chance of living up to the promise. We, we all think she has, of course, training, all the negative training uh, stuff that we heard in the week before gives me a little bit of, of, of fear. How confident are you that Tamara's going to train on and, and be a big rival for just FYI and all the rest next year?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just speculation. You know what I mean? Like, we don't know. We're not in the barn. we don't hear the real stuff going on with the vets. I, she's in the right hands. She's obviously – extremely talented she didn't show up on the day um on the big day that, that she had an opportunity to show up on well we'll see i think the the answer to that question lie in her comeback race and and, and yeah. see where she kind of ends up it's probably silly for me to guess based off of what i know
0: taking a look at that oaks market right now just fyi not surprisingly eight to one top of the market interestingly tamra down there at 16 that makes me go hmm Ways and means not listed at the sharp book, but listed elsewhere as big as twenty five to one. Have you heard anything about Ways and Means and and what we might see from her? Obviously had a setback, missed missed the Breeders' Cup, but still planning a comeback. As far as I know, you you have any intel on her? Who you know she had that I mentioned her because she had that just amazing debut at Saratoga.
1: No, I haven't heard. I mean, I unfortunately was you know, right after the injury happened, uh, that, that, that bobble in that race against bright work, not only, you know, it cost her the race, but it also cost her, uh, her two-year-old season. That's where she became, that's where she, that's where they feel like she got injured, um, where she stumbled on the backside there. Um, I mean, I, I, look, I think that they'll try to do everything they can to work backwards from the Oaks to try to get her qualified and get her in there. She showed a ton of talent, but that's another one. You just kind of have to keep an eye on her work tab, you know, add her to your stable mail. And, And you're going to want to probably see her start working, just work backwards from, from, you know, one of those, those Oaks preps. And, and, and you want to see her probably start working six to eight weeks prior to that, I would imagine.
0: Let's talk about three-year-old male, which is an interesting one. I think I probably know who's going to win this, but there's, there's a lot of cases that, that can be made. And remember this was one that was so interesting to talk about after the triple crown trail with three different horses winning, um, where where are you leaning in here? I know I know you've never been the hugest fan of the horse that I think is going to win. Uh no, I well I think
1: Archangel is going to win.
0: Yeah I know and I've you've never been the biggest Archangel.
1: Oh fan yeah yeah so, I kind of uh... came around to him a little bit but yeah you're right I, I wasn't always a st- at the beginning. You know I think if you win one of the Triple Crown races and you win the Travers, man, it's going to take a classic a classic Derby combo I think to try to probably beat you. Um, you know, it just depends on which ones it is. But but Archangelo winning, you know, obviously he won the Jim Dandy, too. I mean, uh, not the Jim Dandy, but the uh, the Dwyer or whatever the race. The point is, is the Peter, Peter Pan. Pan. Peter Pan. My, that was my point exactly. Not that important race. Um But won the Belmont, won the Travers. I think that probably locks him in there. Uh, I, I guess you could make, like like Dave grenig lays out, you could make a case, a case, a very small case for someone like National Treasure, who ran second in the dirt mile and then also won the Preakness. But obviously, that doesn't doesn't live up to what archangelo did so that's an obvious kind of toss and then even arabian Knight, who won the pacific classic which is really cool but like where was the big three-year-old win you needed from arabian night to kind of kind of to kind of bolster his his chance and then mage unfortunately only glory he really had which is i'm sure Ramiro has no problem taking this as he would assign to take this only glory of the Derby, I think probably limits his chances of winning. So I think this is probably a slam dunk for Archangelo as well.
0: Yeah. Even if national treasure had won the dirt mile, I think I probably vote for, I think I probably vote for Archangelo. Does that feel right? Oh, I
1: definitely would. And, and I don't know. I mean, I guess we should probably become voters. Um, We better get in soon though. Um, Is that, is that I, I consider the fact that how the races were, one to be, to take it into consideration, right? Like yeah. the fact that national treasure got loose with a slow paced Preakness downgrades his Preakness to me. Yep. I'm not mm-hmm. trying to take anything away from him, but when we're talking about champion three-year-old. I'm going to take that into consideration, you know? And, I, and so uh, definitely would be Archangelo for me.
0: Hey, how about how about sixth in the Derby, uh, second in the Classic? Does that get, get? And no, no love for my guy Derma Sotikake. I'm basically kidding, but it is it's interesting to think if he had a clean run around there and hit the board in the Derby and then somehow won the won the Classic, that would probably be enough for a Japanese-based uh, horse in a two-race campaign.
1: Yeah, I mean, even if he won, he wouldn't win. If he won the Classic, they still wouldn't give it to him. I don't think. Just you know, but it's a, it's an, it's a, it's definitely a case to be made. He'd be on the bat. He
0: that would get him on the ballot. As is, I don't think. I don't think he makes the ballot. Curious to see what happens with that horse next. I, you know, I've always kind of liked him, and it was one of. We talked about this on the show with Vanessa, but it's it just kind of funny how you feel. You, you don't. There's no line to cash for this, but you get. You feel. Uh, rather than feeling silly for a Derby pick, you got to feel a little bit. Got to feel a little bit smarter for the Derby pick with this. It made me think back. Granted, it was much more painful for him, but uh, Duke and Thunder Snow, who he needed for a million dollar pick six on the Derby Day and then watched him go on and and, and win all these races. He kind of got to know he was right, if nothing else. You know what I'm saying? No doubt. (laughs) Three-year-old female. um, Does it feel – I mean – does it feel like it's pretty mischievous, just based on? I mean, look, look, believe me, I don't want to talk too much about the test on the show, but the record books say that Pretty Mischievous was the winner there. And you know, a, a Test Oaks double is hard to is hard to 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 uh, um, beat. And and there's
1: another grade one too, right? Didn't she win the Oakcorn too? The acorn, acorn, yeah. I mean, look, I, I this is actually a pretty sneaky one. Um, you know, I think if you rank. If you in my brain, if you rank three-year-old Philly races and which ones are the most important, which ones are the least important, I would go Kentucky Oaks, Alabama, Acorn, Coaching Club American Oaks. That, that's how I would rank those. And then I guess you know the Cotillion or whatever. That's what I would how I would rank those races. And so based on that, I, I think you would have to give it to Pretty Mischievous because. She won the Kentucky Oaks. She won that top one. I think you can basically ignore. And then the test is obviously in that equation too. It's just being a shorter seven for a long race. I don't count the test as a win and I don't, that's no offense to her or her connections. I just, I just think that you just kind of put your hand over that race and pretend it never happened. Unfortunately. Um, I don't think you necessarily want to count that given the circumstances in which you won. I I don't think you want to count that as like part of the equation of like what her accomplishments were. Um, I think you you have to probably give it to her based on the Kentucky Oaks with an accompanying grade one that's important in the acorn over-randomized who won the Alabama but came in second in the distaff. If she won the distaff, obviously that, you know, you get a lot. Of, I think you, get, you should get significantly more points for first than you do. It's not a sliding scale to me, you know, for getting second in a big race.
0: It's a tough one. The more I'm thinking about it, Especially if I if I take what you're saying literally and I ignore the test, all of a sudden you have a horse that, you know, grade one Alabama, the second most by your rankings, which I agree with, important three-year-old race. And then, you know, half-length by an older horse, not by another three-year-old in the distaff. Oof, I'm going to have to – this is one I'm going to have to sit with, JK, before I – uh and, you know, I, I do get a vote, I should point out, too, as part of the as part of the guild, the guild that we, which we should probably get you to join, too. So you can vote in these things, um, the national uh, turf writers and, and broadcasters. So this one, I'm going to I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to have to sit with for a little bit. You you still feel pretty confident and pretty mischievous.
1: Let me look. Let me let me just let me just look real quick. Randomized, yeah, randomized maiden special eight. She won a listed state the Alabama, the Beldame, Alabama, Beldame, and Distaff second.
0: Good Distaff second.
1: Yeah, and then pretty – pretty okay, let's see. So here's one way I think that would be an easy way to kind of tiebreaker. What does she do? She won the Rachel Alexandra. She won. She got second in the fairgrounds, Oaks. She won the Kentucky Oaks. She won the Acorn. She got second in the cotillion. She's gotta get some credit for getting second in the cotillion too. Yep.
0: And it's more of I a mean, campaign. I f- Pretty much yeah, think more of a camp more of a full campaign, which I like to reward.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think you gotta give it to her. The other thing you can do, Pete, is just add up all their money they earned this year as is kind of a help and a tiebreaker. Um yep. I mean I think, you know, it could it could help. I mean it really could help.
0: We'll take a we'll take a look at that and, and we'll talk about that in the show we do with Jay in a few weeks time before once the all the info's out and before the ballots are there.
1: Let me let me ask you this. Pete. Hit me. Do you like this theory? Do you like this idea or does it make you does it make your teeth itch? What if you what if you averaged what if you took their average buyer speed figure throughout the year? Because um, pretty mischievous won a lot of races, but she didn't do it very fast. I don't love that for
0: – I love that for betting. I don't love it for Eclipse Award voting. I use. I would use it as a tiebreaker, but I'm tempted to say – and this gets back to the conversation about the, the test too, which is I, I'm tempted to go with the more the Bill Parcells, you are what you are idea when it comes to this. Your accomplishments are your accomplishments. Now, when it gets into tiebreakers, looking as you did at – not that fast. Wanted in easy fashion. I'm okay with doing that, and I and I will do that. But I don't want to just downgrade a horse that's maybe a little slower that did something like win the Kentucky Oaks and you know get in the winner's circle for the test and and, and get her picture taken. It's not tragedy yeah. I make believe. Mel well. is not her fault. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's yeah, tricky. Yeah, yeah.
1: And it's also like you you know it's 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 also tricky too because Pretty Mischievous did a lot of her her dirty work earlier in the year so her figures are going to be a little bit lower than randomized who did hers later in the year where she's meant to be faster so i i think it's pretty mischievous um but i wouldn't when i wouldn't smack first
0: win when, when did her campaign begin
1: she won her first race in march a maiden right. special weight then here's the other thing too she ran against um she ran against pretty mischievous in the acorn and got drilled right So I think I think I think a common matchup should be used to help determine a tie or, or, or a close race. I think a common matchup should should definitely take precedent over, you know, money earned or anything like that.
0: And one of my prejudices I'll carry to this voting process is wanting to reward more, you know, a bigger time frame of graded stakes winning to me speaks more to champion than a really great four months. Yeah. So, yeah, I, so agree. Yeah, I, agree. I think I know where I'm leaning in there. The next one's a slam dunk, right? Older dirt female. They, nobody can lay a glove on idiomatic, can they? No, that's a, that's a wrap. <laughs> I mean, just to recap, quoting from this excellent Dave Granting article, eight for nine with five graded stakes wins and three grade ones. I mean, that is a championship campaign yeah, and
1: not that's probably concerned. the that's probably the that's probably the heaviest that's probably the i would think that's the heaviest division because even female sprinter i think echo zulu will take some from goodnight olive so yeah. um I, you know i i think that the the older dirt female will probably be the the, the...
0: Well, male sprinter male sprinter could be unanimous couldn't it Who, who's who's
1: uh yeah but gun could Gunite beat elite power you know i mean he could get a couple of votes he ran second i mean he could get a couple of votes
0: I mean, it's hard you know, for me to some, do that
1: though when Elite Power was two to one, including the win in the Breeders' Cup. You should get your vote taken from you if you vote on Gunite, but I'm sure someone will do it.
0: <laughs> Are you thinking of anyone in particular when you say that?
1: Yeah, if, if yeah, if you fit this mold and you think you're too too cool for school and too smart and like to say controversial dumb stuff on Twitter to get attention, then yeah, you might be the type of person that would do that. And if you if the shoe fits, wear it. Don't get mad at me. I'm just saying.
0: You are a student of past performances when it comes to both horses and also uh, social media persona. So you've already tipped your, your hand about what you think could happen with female sprinter. Good night. Olive will win the award. Um, but I could see somebody saying, well, like Zulu beater um, uh, in Saratoga and then missed due to injury. She would have won. I'm not so sure. You know, I, I mean, I, I loved Echo Zulu. I mean, obviously, you got to love Echo Zulu. She's brilliant. But I liked Goodnight Olive's chances of upsetting her in the Breeders' Cup when Echo Zulu was in the race. So, I I mean, do you think there's a good case to be made for Echo Zulu over Goodnight Olive, or do you think that's another
1: one of those too too cool for schools? Yeah, uh, Goodnight Olive should absolutely win champion. She will win champion. But there is going to be some people who get cute and vote on Echo Zulu because she beat her on the racetrack uh at Saratoga. And and I'm not going to I'm not going to like overly knock that 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 thought process, but it is stupid. <laughs> one of those that was one of those
0: losses, you know, there's a few losses we we've seen of horses in their career, maybe Zenyatta under the Twin Spires being the poster child of this. But where a horse loses and gains in your in your um, understanding of the horse's ability that's how good I thought Good Night Olive's second was in the Echo Zulu race just having to do the dirty work having to be maybe more aggressive than she wanted to staying on bravely all the way to the line um, Yeah, Echo Zulu had to come to the Breeders' Cup and and beat Goodnight Olive again for me to consider voting for her over Good Night she and she's coming back just in case you missed that news so I did see that um, news. Goodnight Olive uh, will be returning despite going through the ring. Do we know some of those other mares who went through the ring the other day or, and or, like I'd love to see Moira come back. I just I don't know what they're planning on doing with any of them. Have there been any stories of horses either definitely retiring or definitely coming back besides uh, uh, the excellent Goodnight Olive news? Uh yeah, Nest. That's right. Nest is coming back.
1: Yeah, Rapoli basically he was you know he was partners on the horse with Eclipse. So the horse sold for six million. He owned half, so he only had to pay three million. Now he owns her outright, and he says she has unfinished business. So,
0: I like it. I'd love to see her come back and do, and do good things. That would be very, very fun. Male turf super easy. A favorite of yours, who uh, nearly uh, won the Breeders' Cup turf up to the mark. I mean, there, there's no other, there's no other choice in here. I guess maybe Master of the Seas, based on the the Breeders' Cup and having other um, North American success, but I still feel like up to the mark with that win, um, over master of the seas is going to get this.
1: one. Yeah. 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 He's, he's got a couple of big grade ones. You, you know, you win those grade ones on Derby day and on Belmont day, you know, those are, those are two of our most important races. Yeah. Up to the mark did, you know, got the grade one, um, at Keeneland and also the grade one up at Woodbine and then when the won the, uh, the mile, I, I mean, look, I, I think he'll get some votes. I don't think he'll be ignored by any means, but I do think that ultimately, you know, uh, American bias will will kind of overrun and, and up to the mark should sneak in there off the goalpost. Yeah, but he also beat him on the square. He beat him on the square
0: in the, of in the race of Keenan. So I mean that that makes me feel that's the reason I have a little bit more a little bit more confidence in it. Um, how about Philly and Mayor Turf? Now, do, do, this is a hard. This is a hard one. This is a really. I could tell you already. I'm not a big fan. I will vote for the one-star euros in this category if there aren't good USA options. But there are good USA options in here. You have multiple um, North American-based fillies and mares who won multiple. Um, who won multiple Grade Ones? Right? Did Did Warlike Goddess win more than one Grade One? No, just one. That's going to be tough. So it's her in Italian, Fevrover, or you, or you punt and you say – I mean, you don't really uh, – look, I just don't think one race counts as a campaign that I want to give a North American champion to. And Spiral is the Breeders' Cup winner. That's a huge win in and of itself. I mean, who's the best one? Who wins a race of all of them in Spiral? But I don't know. I don't want to go that way. What, what What's your gut in here?
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be in Italian for a couple of reasons. Um, it's funny. Chad had actually mentioned – the thought process of potentially skipping the Breeders' Cup with an Italian and running in the Matriarch, because he thought that she he could definitely get her a championship if he could if he could if he could lock in one more Grade One. Um, obviously, he decided to run in the in the Breeders' Cup. I mean, look, I mean, she's won, she won two Grade Ones, and she was second in, in other in two other Grade Ones. I, I just that resume as a whole is just better than Warlike Goddess's one Grade One, mm-hmm. uh, Fev Rover's almost races. And in spiral, just showing up for one race in this country. So I think it'll be an Italian again.
0: Yeah, I don't have a problem voting that way. Uh, jockeys, jockeys really easy, <laughs> right? I mean, well, anyone... I don't know.
1: I mean, yes, unfortunately. So I talked about this a couple of times on air, and this is a, at least an interesting conversation for us to have. Let's IRAD deserves it. I've got no problem giving it to IRAD. I have no, no that's problem. That's what I was thinking was the no I brain. Ju- I just don't like the lazy... Deferral that I think sometimes this category gets yeah. to money earned,
0: Yeah. and
1: and Ira and Jose and those guys are going to always have money earned because they they're they're just they're young. They ride so damn much. They ride every stinking race. They don't they they ride every you know. So that that deserves credit. But I do think someone like uh, a Javier Castellano, who kind of had a resurgence with, with, with seven grade ones, um, he won the he won the Belmont. He won the Travers. He won the Derby. I just think that like a – I would like for the category to have a little bit more meat in the decision-making process than just being the slam dunk of money earned. I have no problem with like an apprentice. Like, that's fine. Go money earned. Like, easy work. Give it to them. That's fine. But when it comes to these, there's a little bit more nuance to the category with a Hall of Famer like Javier Castellano whose career seemed to be trending basically in a direction of being over – and then having the resurgence that he had and, and winning two legs of the triple crown, the Travers and, and, and four other grade one races. You know, I, I just, I, that part to me is, is hard to just kind of toss it away to, 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 IRA.
0: I hear what you're saying now. How many grade one races did your Ortiz win this year? Oh, probably like 950. <laughs> uh, uh, it sure doesn't you're... say listed here. Um, I'm... I'm curious to see, maybe Wikipedia, real quick, can, can give give that he's got but Ortiz
1: yeah. holds. This is from Dave Grinnig's article in the DRF. Ortiz holds a sixty-one to fifty-two advantage over Flavian Pratt in stakes wins, and leads okay. Pratt thirty-nine to thirty-seven in graded wins. Um, so I don't know how many of those graded those of those thirty-nine graded wins were grade ones, but you know, he'll have automated. more
0: grade one wins than Castellano. We think. I think I it's would think interesting.
1: So. Yeah, I think it's
0: interesting to think though of. Yeah, the Castellano campaign was amazing. I mean, to get not just seven grade one wins, but, like, the specifics of, I mean, just winning all these huge races. You could tell a story, but I, I just think I, – I think that at the end of the day, Ortiz just – we're not talking about, like, a slim edge in these – it just beats you over the head with a sledgehammer with the, with the races won and the money won. It's – its I feel like it's not close enough to get, to get a little I, cute.
1: I agree. I just want – I just want people to think, stop and think about it for a second and then yep. feel free to make any decision you want, but just think about it for a second. Just because I think that, you know, I think it, 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 it represents something. It represents what I feel like our game needs to be as a whole, which is not so results oriented mm-hmm. in like where we just kind of do it. Like we do it, do it like we've done it. And, Oh, he won the most money. He went to the eclipse. Well, I think there's just, be a little bit more thoughtful in the idea and i don't care where you end up
0: no i i don't have any problem with that also this is funny but if javier castellano had never won one or something i think i'd at least i'm not saying it would change the way i would vote but it would make me think more about it but we are dealing with a guy who's won the award like four times already anyway there's no lifetime achievement element to it for him that that would maybe make me think about doing something different so I have a feeling I know what I'm going to do there, but I'm glad you pulled me up and, and made me think about it for another second. Uh, what about trainer, JK? It, 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 this one is actually – this one's pretty interesting. I think at the end of the day, the Bill Mott Breeders' Cup performance, the 10-grade ones overall, um, it pro- that, that's how I would be leaning at the moment. But this is no dunk with the years that uh, Chad Brown and Brad Cox had. Which, which way are you leaning?
1: Hmm. <sighs> you know, honestly, I don't have a problem with any of the three, right? I mean, right. like, you know, it's Bill Mott. Category, yeah, Bill Mott kind of having the resurgence with ten grade ones and three in the Breeders' Cup. Yep, pretty damn cool. You know, Chad with with the most graded stakes wins, ten grade ones, two Breeders' Cup champions. You know, and then possibly two uh, horses that will win Eclipse Awards. I got no problem with that. And then Brad, you know, with the, with the money, stakes wins, and grade one wins at twelve you know, it, it all, it, it just, you all they all work for me. They all three work for me. I, I guess one of the things I would, I would do is look at like, you know, I, I think one of the ways that I might try to help make my decision would be like, uh, try to like find out what their, their percentages were in graded races. Like what, yeah. like, you know, see who had the highest percentage, you know, like Bill Mott might've had 10, but he might've been batting 10%. I don't think he had that many grade one runners, but you know what I'm saying? Like I think there's probably some clues that you can look into there um, I would also maybe maybe kind of come up with an idea in my head of what are the ten biggest most important grade one races that we run throughout the country and which races did these guys win uh in that list to kind of help narrow it down because they're 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 pretty close, they're pretty neck and neck i'm pretty i'm pretty safe it's pretty safe to say that this would be the closest category I think of all the ones we've discussed.
0: It's really cool and it's neat to have three different ones and I like that way of looking at it, trying to go a little next level with the stats and look at. Different opportunities and such. And this is another one where I will probably take a look uh, back also at uh, how many times has Mott won this award? Like that, it, it's so close that I might look at that. You know, you got to figure Chad is Chad is the fine. Chad and, and Brad are finalists every year for the next 10 years in this category. And maybe
1: Bill Mott yeah. will be too. But, it, it, but you see where I'm going with that though. Yes, of course. But here's what I don't want. And this goes for all three guys. I don't want this award to be to default to the money earned person, which is yep. which is Brad, or like kind of a volume person. I don't want it to be defaulted to volume. I don't want it to be defaulted to 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 Chad because you know of, of how many stakes wins and in just this consistent pressure that he puts on everyone else with all the wins that he has. And I also don't want it to be defaulted to the fact that like you know, kind of a lifetime achievement. Oh, let's throw Bill a bone because this is, you know, like, I don't want it. I want it to be a little bit more. Let's really try to look. We fell in love with this game, handicapping and trying to decide in a group of 10 horses, which one is actually the best one to bet on. Who do we think is the best? Who can win that race? Like I would challenge people that have a vote to, to dig down into these numbers and into this, the stats and really evaluate who had the best year and, and, and dig deep on that.
0: Mod has won it three times, uh, 95, 96, 2011. <laughs> Be kind of cool. 12 years later to add another one to that list amidst uh, the the way the game has has evolved. But I I'm with you, man. There's no, really no wrong answer. We'll continue to grind on that one. That'll be a fun conversation with Jay in a few weeks time. How about the biggest one of all, this is a fun conversation when you're dealing with uh, when you're dealing with horse of the year, I'm pretty sure I know how this one's going to go. And I, I think there won't be a dry eye in the house. What do you think?
1: Yeah, look, I think it's I think it's Cody's wish, but but I don't think it's also I don't think it has to just be because of the of the story that accompanies the horse. Right. I, I, I think that, you know, he he won uh, the Met Mile. He won the grade one on on Derby Day. Uh, he won the Breeders Cup Dirt Mile. And I think that those three grade ones, the Met Mile, in my opinion, would be one of those top three, top four, top five grade one races throughout the year. So I give the a little bit of bonus. Plus, I call them. Yep, yep. Give it a bonus. Give it some bonus. Obviously, the the Whitney was a little bit disappointing, um, but the the other thing too is, is is I have no problem beating Cody's Wish in this category if there was the, if the right animal were, were there. Archangelo winning the Classic would have definitely put him in front of Cody's Wish. White Abario having a couple more successes outside of just the Whitney in the Classic would have put him in front of that situation. Um, you know, I also think that White Abario is going to struggle a little bit because there's going to be some of those people voting that are going to have a little bit of a problem with Rick Dutrow, despite the fact that he, you know, did the crime and did the time. So I, I just, I feel like this circumstance works out perfectly for, for Cody to be able to kind of snag this one uh, as horse of the year.
0: It gets back to what I was saying before about wanting to award a horse of the year, not a horse of three months. You know, if you just look at the Whitney if all you had in front of you was the last two races, you'd say, how in the world can it not be white a Barrio? But before that, White Abario beaten on the square by Cody. And then, you know, just sort of a you know nice allowance win or whatever back in March. But, you know, very middling past performances. So in terms of rewarding an entire campaign, I feel like I, I, I don't have a big problem uh, stretching and giving it to Cody. Not that he ran that many more races, but I don't know. On the body of it, I, I don't think it's fair to hold uh, Dutro against the horse at all I mean like you said the guy did the time and you know was never not regarded as a brilliant horseman and has always had as bad as the stats were with him with um, medication overages they were good when it came to uh, they were good when it came to, to um, taking care of horses had a, a very much almost outlier like stats in terms of not having horses break down under his care it's not like anybody thinks the guy is anything but a great horseman but you know we get It's just critical to me that with Cody's Wish you have this grade one from May and this grade one from November. That's a championship campaign. Oh, oh, and by the way, won a grade one plus in between those and did get the victory in the Vosburgh as well. That's Cody's Wish for Horse of the Year for me.
1: Yeah, I think so too. I don't have a problem with that at all. Like I said, I just want to be clear though. I don't want to talk out of both sides of my mouth.
0: You got very quiet all of a sudden, JK. Anything you could do about that?
1: um i don't know why i got quiet um, no you seem like you're um, better
0: now It was almost like there was something over the microphone we'll leave it in though it's fine we can hear you okay
1: um no basically what i was saying is like i just i feel like i don't i don't want to say i don't want to be sentimental um on bill mott winning right and then say oh but let's let's give some bonus points to the story that accompanies cody's wish if there was a horse that accomplished just a tad bit more I'd have no problem with that horse kind of overcoming Cody's wish it's not the most robust horse of the year resume right I mean he won a, a, a grade one sprint on derby day he won the Met Mile and he won the Breeders Cup Dirt Mile which is kind of like the, the you know I think kind of like the forgotten Breeders Cup race that we care just a little bit less about Yep. Yeah. Uh, so so I don't you know but I think that the circumstances line up where it's not an issue
0: Yeah. I think, I think he'll, I think he'll be able to do it. Is there anyone we're not thinking of? I mean, who else would be elite power? You could make a case idiomatic. You could make a case. Um, are you buying, are you buying any of those sort of out of the box ideas in the category?
1: No, no, I don't think so. I mean, I think one of those two that you named would probably end up being that, that, uh, that third, that third horse. Um, and in fairness, elite power probably takes away a few votes from, from Cody's wish in, in a weird way. Um, you know, so. What about I, I mean, I, if I think up to who, the man. mark
0: had won the turf? Could you make a, could you make a horse of the year case for him?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. You, 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 win the, you win the, the Derby day turf race, you win the Belmont turf race, and you, you win a mile grade one at Keeneland, and then you win <laughs> the, the turf. Yeah, I, I actually I think that resume would probably overtake uh, Cody and, uh, and and the story that accompanies Cody.
0: One of the one of the just an amazing running of the Breeders' Cup turf, too, for him to go as close as he did was was amazing to me. Is he coming back? Do we know? Do we know. No, get we, we, no, no, you no we we're, were right. You're, He's, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Lane's in. OK, well, he'll be he'll be an interesting one to, to follow, especially with the increased um you know the proliferation of turf racing in america it's going to be interesting to see some of these more turfy sires and how they and how they make out anything else i mean i don't even have a thought on the others until i have numbers in front of me but any other uh, anything leap out to you in any of the other categories
1: no i didn't I, nothing no i didn't i you know i didn't have a chance to look at uh, like the apprentice stuff yet we can probably talk when it gets a little bit closer breeder and owner i, I would guess that i would think that Cody's wish being a homebred, and if he's possible to win horse of the year, I would think that that would be pretty good for Godolphin. I, I don't. I think is pretty mischievous a homebred as well.
0: I'll have to look that up, but I think she I'll might look right be... now while
1: we're talking. I mean, that might also, be a slam
0: bunk for them. Yeah, I mean, look at look at what else Godolphin did. You know, winning <laughs> you know, the one two in the my. I mean, there's as owner. um, as owner, it's gonna be it's gonna be awful tough, I would think.
1: But you know, I want to see numbers. Owner and be- breeder, pretty pretty mischievous was bred by them as well. Yeah. So you got you got that. You got Cody's wish. You've got uh, you've got uh, Maj coming over and winning a Grade One, and then you have um, uh, Master's name Master Did C. Yeah,
0: it's incredible. Yeah, that it's. Uh, I want to look at all the numbers, but that's gonna be very tough for anybody to peg back. Any thoughts on racing from this past weekend? I was on TV Saturday watching watching it all. I was happy to see uh, Command performance finally do the have the kind of effort that Matt Bernier and I were expecting for him for a few years now. It was, uh, you know, certainly some excellent racing um, in uh, in New York and in California and elsewhere. But anything worth anything worth pausing on, or did you have any betting adventures to share?
1: No, I can't think of anything. We were off. I was off Saturday, so I actually kind of took a little bit of a racing break. Didn't really watch much on Saturday. Um, and then, you know, yesterday was on air for a little while, but we didn't have did – Do we have a stake while I was on? I don't think – oh, yeah, we did. We had a stake. Uh, who won that one? Big oh, Everest? Right, uh, yes,
0: Big, Big, Big Everest. Everest. yeah, Big yeah. Everest, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. 96. Yeah, so nothing that I can think of.
0: Good pick for you, though. Uh, you were all about Masterpiece and the Red Smith. Um, and we we gave out that exact a pretty good on the show. So that was, that was a nice one. Another horse that's, it was sort of a day for horses that we'd heard um, years worth of hype on finally breaking through with, with command performance and, uh, and masterpiece.
1: You got to stick with the info. You got to, you got to, you got to go the course. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's one of those things where I think if you were, if you were betting those horses every time you would have been broke before you got the chance to cash. Unfortunately, Absolutely. The, uh, you know, it's a stinks. Stay, one of Sean Borman's big things, the importance of uh, being able to stay solvent comes to, comes to mind there. Boy, did we get some nice reactions to the Sean show? I'm trying to see if we can maybe bring him back for, for a Q and a, but he, after his media tour last week, he sounds a little talked out. I'm not sure if I can do it yet, but I'll let you all know if we're going to be able to have a Sean Borman podcast. Um, the other thing I wanted to tell you is that, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm. I feel like I'm looking good in Marshall's a survivor pool. I feel like I've got I've got a little bit of a handle on the NFL this year for for whatever reason. I'm proud of the fact that of my survivor picks, they've not all. They, they, except for Buffalo in that weird Sunday night game against the Giants during Keeneland, all my picks have not only won but covered. So I'm I'm
1: feeling a little full of myself for that. Wow, that's nice. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's 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 a tricky situation too. The game, it's. They've the, the NFL has done one thing masterfully, and that is create parity. Yeah, and they've done it better than any other sports league I've ever seen. Where, like, the worst team will 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 donkey punch the 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 best team on the worst on the you know it's just it's wild. Oh, like somewhat random. Watching, days. Yeah, watching the the Broncos a few weeks ago uh, beat the brakes off of the Chiefs, it's just it's it just doesn't it doesn't add up, you know, paper paper, that should never happen on paper. And and the league done a great job of forming some, uh, some nice parity.
0: What are your Super Bowl teams right now? Where, where are you, where are you leaning?
1: Um, you know, it's with, with, with Patrick Mahomes back there, it feels like they always have a chance. They're always in the mix. They're always going to be able to overcome situations in a playoff scenario. He'll go on the road and win games. He'll, you know, they'll always have a pretty good record. So they'll get to play some home games. So uh, until, until teams find a way to more effectively, consistently stop him, um, I'm, a, I'm a little bit of a Chiefs guy. And the 49ers have shown flashes of greatness, but I'm still not a big believer in Brock Purdy, and I feel like um, there's a scenario in which he could probably you know, kind of bite you in, in, the, in the rear end. Um, but I would say that my NFC team, a team that I've been really pretty impressed with, is it's a sneaky team is Detroit. I mean I, I, yeah. I, I used to think that, that Dan Campbell was kind of a joke and his whole like you know you know bite your ankle nonsense wouldn't work in the NFL but um and that's without saying I don't even know if I, I didn't even watch the their game. They won. Okay, yeah. So yeah it was I, a wild I, I, game. It was a shootout. It was yeah. really fun. Yeah outside of them you know them getting rolled by Baltimore who, who's pretty damn good too. I think Detroit is sneaky because they they also get to deal with kind of a beat up division, right? They 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 get to play the Bears twice, they get to play the Vikings twice, and they get to play uh, uh the Packers twice. And I think that helps them quite a bit in terms of of locking in some good field position. They play in a dome, so they're not going to really be affected by weather. Um so I I think they're interesting for sure.
0: I hear you. I'm I'm a little more basic there. I'm 49ers. I I feel like they just haven't been shown to their best effect with some of the injuries and bad luck they've been dealing with in the last few. I, I still think they're for me, a clear top tier out there. And I've been super impressed with Baltimore. I mean, despite the loss yesterday, that, that was a, I didn't like them in the game yesterday, but overall, what we've seen from them, especially like in terms of some of the advanced stats stuff, I think they've got a very good chance to, to be there at the end And I've been super impressed, super impressed with the Browns defense specifically. They're a team I don't mind having on side, uh, in, in a lot of different kinds of matchups you mentioned the Vikings they've really turned it around they've been a lot better but are they is it like last year do you feel like where they're sort of more of a paper tiger than a than a serious team at this point
1: yeah and then the other thing too with the, when you have a team like with 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 the Dobbs situation with him just kind of coming in I think the the opposition doesn't know what the identity is with him yet so you yep. kind of catch the defense off guard now you got a couple of tape couple of games of tape on them you can understand oh this is what they're trying to do with him. this is how they're trying to utilize him. and then teams can start trying to take that away but like when you just show up one day and you throw them in there it's kind of when backups come in it really throws teams for a loop because they're not prepared for that situation so I think that'll probably normalize a little bit and uh and, and they'll come back to earth it's not like they beat the, the best team in the world in St. Chester no but five in a five in a row is uh, certainly worth
0: like taking a little bit more seriously for a team that I couldn't wait to bet against at the beginning of the year and felt very smug after the first three games So my enthusiasm for opposing them has gone down considerably. All right, JK, anything else for me? We've got one more segment on the show coming up, but we're going to bring in Eric DeCoster after the break to talk about the RTIP symposium, where I will be in a couple of weeks time. I've worked out this kind of fun wise guy trip, JK, you'll appreciate this. Can't really get to Tucson from New York without changing, so I figured why not create a couple of uh, 24-hour layovers in San Diego, where there's flights constantly from San Diego to uh, to 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 Tucson. So I'm going to go for closing day at uh, at Del Mar, then head to Tucson, and then come back for goof around day in San Diego the next week. You like that idea?
1: There's nothing wrong with that. It's a nice move. It's a nice, nice move. I thought you were going to say Vegas, but but uh, San Diego makes more sense.
0: Yeah, for me, but, you know, I'm not a Vegas guy. I like Vegas when it's to go to all the fun restaurants with my friends when they're in town, but I'm not like, you know what I mean? I don't, I don't really get it. I guess as a New York guy, I don't really get it in, like the way that some people do. Yeah, um, I feel that. And then uh, any other closing thoughts from you before we let you uh, get on with your life? No, that's it. We'll talk soon. Enjoy your travels. Do you bet Duke to help give, give you the same sort of juice that uh, your in-laws have when you watch them? Do you, will you, will
1: you do that move? It's illegal. It's illegal in the family to, uh, to bet Duke to bet on or against. Oh, you know, I would never, you kidding me, I would never bet against. <laughs>
0: that will be it for you. Yeah, no, that wouldn't go well. I do have a, if you, if she does ever kick you out, you, you are welcome to go to the little house on the East side. I'll tell you where we hide the key.
1: I like it. I appreciate that.
0: <laughs> Thank you, my friend. All right. We'll be back with one more segment right after this. We're proud to be partnered with the Kentucky Thoroughbred Development Fund. Purses in Kentucky are powered by the KTDF and have led to an incredible enhancement to the Kentucky racing scene. KTDF dollars in purses are for Kentucky bred horses only, so breeding in Kentucky is the best way to maximize profits and return on your racing and breeding investments. Because of the benefits from the KTDF, Churchill Downs and Kentucky Racing as a whole continue to be on an incredible upward trajectory. Lots of great racing happening in Kentucky, Kentucky at Churchill Downs over the last few weeks. For more information, please check out inthemoneypodcast.com slash KTDF. Next up on the show, as promised, a man who does an amazing amount of work behind the scenes for In The Money Media and In The Money Plus. He's also currently a student out at the University of Arizona in their racetrack industry program. He's Eric DeCoster. Eric,
2: how are things? Things are good. Things have been busy, but uh, it's all been horse-related, so so I'm happy.
0: That's the good kind of busy. Yeah, saw you there at Santa Anita with the important job in that crowded paddock of holding up the uh, the signs. So <laughs> connections knew where their places to stand were. But I mean, what a vantage point for two great days of racing. You must have been loving it.
2: Oh, yeah, how could you not? I mean, you get to be in the paddock for every single Breeders' Cup race. I mean, you know, there, there are people who spend millions of dollars on these horses and, and they aren't even allowed in and get that kind of access. So it was awesome. And obviously you get to, see you again see uh you know other people i've I've met in the industry through the program, so it was just it was just good good mix of the seeing these world class athletes and then uh, seeing familiar faces too so did you hold the sign for any of the winning horses? Were you holding the number? let's see no you know more often than not i was you know there there was one race specifically it was the the juvenile, and Micropoli had two horses in there, and it was you know, fierceness and noted. And I was holding the, you know, I can't remember what number noted was, but I just remember Micropolar kind of giving it a glance as he walked by and literally brushing it off with his hand and then walking. So that's when I knew, okay, anyone with noted on your tickets, you better toss it out.
0: So. <laughs> Pretty funny. It's amazing that that kind of inside, uh, that kind of inside access. What's well, a defining memory for you of the two days? And How many Breeders' Cups have you been to in total at this point? So
2: this is my fifth Um that's great so i've been to most of, i guess 2019 was the only santa anita one in the last decade i, I didn't get to go to but all those uh, so four of those i guess and, and one at del mar two years ago so i love it though i mean it's just it's hard not to love when when you get to be around these horses and see them in person and obviously when the euros come over I, that's easily my favorite part because and i and the japanese it's at this point we have to link them all together but the horses you you wouldn't ever think you'd get to see and and uh yeah. It just it's just incredible. So yeah, it it just gets better every year in my opinion, and uh, obviously some some really cool winners this year too. Hopefully, too many more.
0: Pick I'll make you pick one that particularly um, w- you were excited by that you saw over the two days at Santa Anita.
2: Yeah, I, I'd have to say August Rodon. I mean, that field was just king of steel. It was was you know a horse I I, I thought had a, a huge chance in there, and then I was like oh, but August Rodon's in there and most of in there and you know up to the marks the best turf horse in the country and don't forget about shariar who's done all the good things he's done over in japan right you just every time you looked at one horse in that race there was someone else who you're like how could i possibly leave this horse out and um and then really, really the best horse does win and and um i know the news broke that he's coming back next year which is exciting but whatever the case just just cool to see those world-class athletes all come together and then the best results imaginable uh, with with uh, a strong finish like that
0: it was a great race it was the true international clash i thought it was probably the strongest turf that i remember and mm-hmm. as somebody like yourself who loves breeding too august rodan is such an important um horse going forward the the bringing together of the sunday silence bloodlines vis-a-vis dim, deep impact and of course galileo through rhododendron so really a horse that feels like one that could have a a serious impact uh, on, on the breed. I don't think Absolutely. it's too much of exaggeration. So, so it's very, very cool. Well, you're here today. I did want to reflect on the Breeders' Cup for a minute with you, but I also want you to talk about this RTIP conference. I've been plugging it in ads. I've talked about a little bit of my experience going out there the last three or four years, really since the beginning of, of In the Money Media. It's become a can't-miss work event for me. But I really think it's an event that if you're at all interested in getting involved in the thoroughbred industry, if you're a young person thinking about the program that you're in, if you're somebody who's just looking for an incredible networking opportunity and to see some great presentations, I just wanted to give a little bit more about it. Are you as involved this year behind the scenes as you were last year when you helped me and Jessica and Marshall put together our presentation?
2: yeah no absolutely probably more so even um which has been exciting, but what you know it it'd be very easy for me to come on here and say this is going to be the best symposium ever or, or, or. but there that's not an exaggeration that's that's not just some mumbo jumbo marketing no this this is the real deal we're expecting about six hundred people probably over if, if I'm being realistic at this point um six hundred attendance, which for reference when you came in twenty twenty one it was about four hundred fifty Right. That's, that, that's the kind of growth that, that, that we're seeing here. And the panels are are it's a it's a who's who from not only thoroughbreds, quarter horse standard breads and all over the uh, the different organizations and, 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 and roles and I think the biggest thing is they're they are not people gathering around just to talk. Right. You know? They these are cutting edge in my opinion. And I, I think most people if you if you go through our agenda, uh, it is serious, progressive ideas for racing. Category 1, See, you know, we'll get into it after, but point being, I, I just get excited because I think that so much clamoring about needing different ideas and change in the industry, and, and it's happening in Tucson in about a month. Love that. Well, Category 1 panel is certainly one that
0: I'm very interested in, and one that I think horse players have a very deep sympathy for. I was also thrilled to see a CAW panel getting into some real nitty-gritty about computer-assisted wagering and having one of the guys associated with one of the bigger teams that I know of in the world, Don Johnson, there at the panel talking. Uh, I, that's the one I'm probably the most looking forward to. And again, real relevancy from a from a horse player point of view. Um, the fella Oliver Roeder, is that his name, who wrote that great Financial mm-hmm. Times yes. article is going to be moderating paddle on there. Uh, the, those are two of the ones that I, I would describe as uh, can't miss the keynote speech, having uh, Randy Moss out there. That's fantastic. The storytellers panel sounds like it's going to be good. Give me give me some more details, either about ones that I mentioned or nominate a panel of your own that you're excited about this year.
2: Yeah, no, you know, we'll, we'll just start on on that Tuesday. The, the both the ones you you talked about, the category one and the CAW, and then I'll throw in some good Wednesday ones that I think will be exciting. But the CAW one, in my opinion, is is the big one because it's there's so many perspectives, and you might look at that and say the good, the bad, the future, and 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 you might say. Oh well, it's just going to be some suits talking the talk, and this isn't this isn't anything. But no, you have Don Johnson from from one of the the biggest play groups in the country. You have Joe Longo from Naira, and we know that they were kind of progressive in in cutting them out of the pools at a certain moment in time, at least in the win win pool. Yep. And and obviously that's I know as a player that's that's been huge. It's it's nice to know that when the horse goes in the gate, he'll be going off that price or very very similar. Um, and then Pat Cummings, So we know always delivers, um, every time and he'll be around. And he, of course he took that new role with the, uh, the national thoroughbred Alliance. And he's very, very present at the symposium. It's not like he gets up on stage and, and this is just my observations of course, but you know, he sits in on panels, he talks to people. So, um, just having his presence there with this very innovative idea, um, of is is good. And it's going to just add to what's going to be a great panel as for the category one panel. Um, You know, these are, you might not, if you're not familiar with, you know, Kim Kelly is one of the foremost stewards in the world. And he he worked in Hong Kong for a while. And he has a very good knowledge of, of stewarding horse races. And obviously is kind of the model of what I know many gamblers, horse people, and I guarantee some stewards uh, would like to bring to the U.S. So having his, him here, uh, will be excellent as well as representatives from states that have either implemented it like uh, Oklahoma has with uh, Kelly Cathy from Remington park and someone from their uh, horse racing commission, whose name is slipping my head. And then I know Ohio is in the process of, of uh, bringing category one rules and their deputy director is going to be there as well. So once again, it just kind of shows, it's not like it's just people from who knows where talking about these things. These are people who are living it every single day and, uh, working on them, trying to make them better or modify them. Can't help but learn something hearing people like that
0: talk. And I think you make a good point about, you know, certain people like Pat being a great example, being present at the symposium. It's asking questions in others. And it's also just being around. I mean, this is a, I have found it to be just a supremely excellent, very organic networking event. Not, you know, not, not like a job fair, but just like a lot of interesting people very accessible to have conversations with, and I've met a lot of people in the industry I'd only heard of. I had a chance to meet um, at the at the symposium, and have become friends, or have been able to figure out clever ways to work together. So that that's something I want to underline as well. I mean, heck, if you were somebody looking to to just make connections, I, I can't think of a can't think of a better place. You had mentioned wanting to talk about some of the Wednesday action as well. What what are you looking forward to from that?
2: Yeah, I I think um, well, first and foremost, every year we do a success stories panel. That's Robert Hartman, who is the, the chairman of the racetrack industry program, thought it'd be a great idea because listen, we we know in racing, we uh we tend to like to get down. And obviously when we say things like category one and CAWs and, and things like that, we get all angry and riled up. So we're looking for change just, in a lot of instances. yes sure. Yes, a lot of change and you know there's frustration. I think we can all admit there's frustration. So I think you know the success stories panel that that Robert has pushed every year, um, you know, it's just, it's just, it's good to highlight what's good because we have to have that balance at least. And this year, I know it's a lot about aftercare and, um, how we're helping horses, uh, during their careers and marketing the industry, um, while horses are running and, uh, also getting young people, uh, you know, uh, Anise who Pleasure, who moder- uh, the, is the, uh, the president, excuse me, of, uh, Amplify, Amplify Horse Racing will be moderating. And she, she's done a lot of great work, um, for the industry in the last year. So that just, emphasizes once again another person who uh, has done a lot of good for the industry lately and uh, will be in Tucson in a month. And then right. the other big panel that day is the uh, the mental health and emotional wellness panel. Um, that's been a huge hot topic uh, within the horse person community. Uh, I know a few jockeys um, that we've lost over the past year. Um, and it's been hard. So we're, we're going to have a couple of jockeys actually flying in. Trevor McCarthy from New York and Kyle Frey from California uh, in addition to a few other great speakers, and uh, that that'll just be a great one to listen into. I know whether you whether you're a gambler, whether you're uh, someone who works out on the on the front side at the track, and especially if you work on the backside, you know this this is going to be must uh, must listen stuff because it's it's a it's a big issue in racing, and I'm glad that uh, we're addressing it. It's a great point about
0: sort of cutting edge issues, and this is something that's really come to the forefront. It feels like. The aftercare issue has been, I, I go back to the maybe the sea change moment for a lot of people, the great Michael Baychuk story, winning the mm. NHC and then uh, claiming Glorious Dancer and bringing so much awareness to, to, to these issues. And it's really snowballed since then with the work of all these great charities. Very much of the moment is the mental health stuff. I feel like that's been a, a bugaboo, a hard thing for people to talk about for a long time, but it's happening more and more. I'm very glad. That's part of the conference. You mentioned Robert. He deserves special praise because so when I first started hearing about these conferences before I went, I'll be honest with you, Eric, you know, this was probably 10 years ago. My years might be a little off, but it was like, oh, Arizona, it's still fun, but it's not what it used to be. It used to be the place where all these deals got dealt and it was just this huge industry deal and you had to be there. And I feel like under Robert's care over the course of the last several years, it's building back in terms of numbers and relevance to 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 what it was so he deserves a lot of uh, a lot of praise um as far as uh, as far as that one goes what else is happening out there you, you know i i I'll, I'll never forget at the uh was it at the awards presentation last year getting to 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 see and and meet and hear up close the the story of the the dormants that was that mm-hmm. was amazing um it is there an equivalent? Is there an? I mean, obviously, there's no equivalent to that story, but uh, the awards luncheon is an, an important part of the of of the whole process. How, when does that happen, and how does that work?
2: Yeah, so that that takes place, I believe it. It's Tuesday afternoon. I don't have an exact time, um, but it is open to anybody who attends. Right, so it's not like it's invite only. So if you do decide to come out and and sit in on our great panels and network with all the amazing people that'll be attending, um, it's opportunity. It's you know, It's a lunch. It's included. Right. Um, and, and while I can't, you know, necessarily reveal any of the award recipients, um, I can tell you it's, it's, it's going to live up to it. Um, you said it, nothing, nothing will top last year. Um, I mean, that was, that was incredible. I get chills most times I think about it because of, uh, you know, that was the first time that, uh, Cody had ever been on a plane was when he flew out to Tucson last year, um, with his family to, to accept the award. Um, and so, I mean, you know, that was a big deal in their life. And I I, I think it's incredible that uh, the University of Arizona, the RTIP got to play a part in that. And um, so, like I said, may, might not reach that level, but I, I can tell you it'll be um, as good as ever. And yeah, I, you know, just to speak to Robert real quickly, I, you know, when I when I started in the program, um, the director before uh, Robert, Wendy Davis, who was exceptional in her own right, um, she, she left the program. And so there was a lot of uneasiness about, uh, as a student about what was next and roberts righted the ship and um obviously his growing the symposium by as as many attendees as he had and bringing all these people in and uh, attacking the real issues in racing it's it's just a testament to, to how hard of a worker he is and uh how great he wants this symposium this program this university to be and uh i can tell you it's it's not stopping in 2023 it'll it'll keep That's building great. up with each and every year one more I
0: have to mention, not official yet, but I've already reached out and offered uh, in-the-money assistance if it's needed to make sure that we have, uh, uh, hopefully, anyone who wants to to do the taco tour on Monday mm. night. <laughs> yeah. It's not official yet. But if anybody listening, if you're one of our listeners, I will do what I can. To try to find you a spot, um, even if we have to, and in the money have to pay something out of pocket, because that that has been the, the most fun I've had at, e- at at either one. Just driving around in a party bus with a cool group of industry people to uh, amazing different uh, taquerias around the the Tucson area, and I I'm uh, very much looking forward to doing that again. So, if anybody listening decides to to sign up, let me know you're coming out, and we'll we'll try to get you included in that. And the easiest way to find the information about signing up, we created a little pretty link. So it's just in the moneypodcast.com slash RTIP. That will take you for loads more information and a place to and a place to sign up as well.
2: It's it's that easy. It really is. And you know, don't you might see the registration fee, you might not love the idea, but the the things you're gonna hear, the people you're gonna meet, the tacos you're gonna eat, <laughs> uh, invaluable. It truly is. And if if you're trying to get into the industry, um, expand your knowledge there's there's simply no better way i mean it's it, it's really a it can be life-changing if you if you put your mind to it so i, I encourage everyone people, to come yeah for most people it
0: would be a tax write-off and i'd go ahead and just say it if if you're if you're interested yes. in this industry it's a it's a steal at twice the price so go check that out in the money slash rtip did we leave anything out eric any other messaging we should get across Let's see
2: well, I, I I will be technically speaking. I have my my capstone project um, presentation uh, Wednesday morning, bright and early at eight a.m. Um, nice. And I know there many of our listeners may have filled out my survey. Yeah, um, yeah. That relates to it, and I had over five hundred responses, which blew my mind. I I was hoping for two hundred at best. So um, I'm excited to present that, and you know I I can't really give out too much before then, of course. But uh, if if you if you want to hear the results of that survey, that's when you'll hear it. We can guess based on the questions, you know, the, the milieu you're dealing in and it's yes. something of certainly
0: something of interest. And that's good. I, I I'm not sure if I can stay the full day Wednesday, but I will surely be there for eight AM. So i we'll definitely want to come and, and check that out. It's been you know, we met through the program. I guess that's right. It was twenty one. We met on the taco tour actually, I think. We did, um, yes.
2: You and uh you and Nick. Nick Cameron. Right. We Nick we were there. I said, to... you know, hey, I like I like in the money. You guys do good work and then a month later I had a job. It's pretty funny.
0: I feel like, Nick, we're trying to get out there. I'm not sure if it's going to work, but In the Money will be well represented. Andrew Brown, who's going to be doing more and more. With us, hopefully, he's going to be in the team. As will Edison Hatter and uh, and and Mike on the harness side as well. So so we will we'll have we'll have good uh, good resources out there. And I, I don't know. I might remind Nick about those uh, I'll be on this and the uh, I'll be on this and the, and the and the and the the hot dogs, the Sonoran hot dogs. Sonoran and maybe dogs. He'll, yes. Yeah. Maybe he'll change his mind and and uh, and join us after all, but. It's going to be fun. I look forward to meeting more of your classmates. That's always fun, too. Uh, the, 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 youth, the, the youthful energy and the enthusiasm that you and your cohort out there have for the racing industry um, is another one of those things that makes me look positively to the future and feel and feel bright about things. So, yeah, let's, uh, let's raise a Sonora dog out in the desert, and we'll have a great time. Absolutely. Can't wait. Thank you so much, Eric DeCoster. Thanks again to RTIP for this little partnership we've been doing promoting the event. Come and join us in the slash R-T-I-P. Our partnership with Woodbine continues apace as well throughout this season. Live racing going on right now with a 4.50 p.m. Eastern post time on Thursdays and one ten Friday through Sunday. This weekend, more graded action. The grade two Kennedy Road stakes going six furlongs for three-year-olds on the synthetic. Turf may be done, but there's still great racing on the synth up at Woodbine. Do not miss out on the action. Learn more at woodbine.com. That's going to do it for this edition of the show. I want to thank JK and Eric for coming on and sharing their thoughts and views. How about our founding partners, 10 Strike Racing? You know around here how we always love to root for the purple and black. That reminds me, it was just the one-year anniversary of Loom's Boldly's maiden win at Aqueduct, which means I've procrastinated a full year from getting that win picture to hang up in the bunker. Bad on me there. Got to take care of that. We'll put it on the list. We'll add it to the list. Also, Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation. Hey, the Hay Drive goal was met. Got the full benefits of the matching. Ain't that terrific? And that's largely because of you. So the, the two-for-one is offers gone, but I still have a couple bottles of whiskey if you want something fun to drink uh, around the holidays, Hanukkah, Christmas, Kwanzaa, however you choose to celebrate. You're late for Diwali. I think that's going on now. But anyway, if you want... In the Money Whiskey, donate two hundred to the TRF, and we will send you a bottle. TRF org slash players is the place to go for that. Most of all, though, I want to thank all of you, the listeners and the viewers, for making these shows so much fun to do. Keep track of everything we've got cooking in the Money dot com slash email for a free email that uh, basically just breaks down all the content into easily digestible ways and make sure you never miss an episode, which also helps if you're subscribed on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts uh, as well. This show's been a production of In The Money Media. I'm Peter Thomas Fornitel. May you win all your photos.